stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! This week, on our drive for petrol exemption, we christen Lewis Hamilton. Oh, man. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Churches in session, praise dry, you may now be seated. Welcome to episode 167 of Motorsport 101, the second to last episode with a checkout in it. Thanks for that one, Lewis. I know you'll appreciate that. <laughs> oh man, um, this is the one you've all been waiting for, Hamilton fans. The coronation is in session. I'm Andre Harrison, welcome back. Thanks for joining us as always. In the corners, as usual, we have Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yeah, uh, it was certainly a Mexican Grand Prix. Um, I, I was not surprised by the outcome, but surprised by the winner. Eh, I guess. I, I, I can see why you thought of that. Um, and ready to christen, to christen Sir Lewis of Stevenage is Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Good day to you, wherever you're listening to this. I'm actually very surprised that um, that they did not honor the time-honored tradition of uh, Mexican Lucha Libre and make this World Championship a hair versus hair match. I, I, I would have preferred, like, 2009 The Bash and Chris Jericho versus Rey Mysterio when it was the mask versus title match. I would, I'd have happily settled... For the championship on Sebastian's end on this one. Yo, I would have I would have killed a scene like uh just you know there were like various different luchador masks. You had, of course, your standard fair, your Rey Mysterio mask, your Mystico Matses. Um I would uh, there was even a El Santo and a blue demon, and I would have really loved to see a Laparca. Actually, just have Laparca present the trophies and have him do that the way he used to do in WCW when he played air guitar with a steel chair when he walked out to the ring. <laughs> what? What am I doing on this show? <laughs> oh my god! I got nothing for him because you because you love each and every one of us. <sighs> Though I have to admit, one of my favorite moments of of the Mexican Grand Prix weekend was uh, Jenny Gao jumping from Brett's rope, which we all know is the most dangerous rope. (laughs) (laughs) I did see that. It was adorable. (laughs) I love Jenny Gao. May she never change. That was a fun time indeed. Um, Just get some general housekeeping out of the way real quick. Places you can find us, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our handles personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and our sister show, Bike Live. Episode 84 of that went live this past weekend. And as you can probably guess, it was a Mark Marquez special. Um, the Magnificent Seven celebrating Mark Marquez's seventh world championship. Yeah. 
25-year-old seven-time seven world champion. As you do. A, a great weekend of action at Mategi last week with Marquez in that one. Quattararo winning the Moto2 race and then getting probably disqualified. And another twist and tail in the Moto3 title race between Martin and Bezeki, which I'll get to as well. There's another one of that in episode 85 next week as well. So that's a big one. The Bike Live episode 84 is out right now. The Magnificent Seven. Check it out if you haven't already. I'd also like to quite proudly announce at the same time while we're here, we just crossed 90,000 total plays on SoundCloud. So thank yeah! you. So thank you all so much for your continued support. 90,000 is nuts. Um, believe it or not as well, the last month was our most plays we've ever had in a month. So thank you all so much for your continued support. It means a lot that you're still here. Maybe, just maybe, there's an outside chance we'll get to 100k by the end of the year. But given motorsport season finishes up, God, less than a month from now. Probably not, to be honest. But hey, you know. Uh, hopefully, you know, with a little luck, we might just get there. Who knows? But again, as always, thank you all for your continued support. Thank and, you. uh, yeah, it, it does always mean the world. So thank you all very much for that. And if, you, if you're back us at the $10 level as well, you can join us on our Discord server where we, where we can banter about the motorsport and all the sports in general and listen to these shows live as they are being recorded, like AJ is, like Charles is, and like Brian is right now. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show tonight. Um... Also, a bit of a somber note as well. Um, we did want to acknowledge this in the intro, but uh, on behalf of all three of us here, um, massive condolences, thoughts, and prayers to Leicester City Football Club because, first of all, that was that that was a tragedy. Like I, I was watching, I don't know any kind of personal level, but I was watching this at work, um, working in the bookies. You've got sports on all the time, and it was actually quite chilling seeing the helicopter land inside the stadium, first of all. Because that's a normal thing for Leicester. They normally pick up the owners and whatnot from, 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 from the ground itself, and they come back from a commercial break, and Jake Humphrey's talking about a fire. And it was horrific, the helicopter. Because they haven't seen the story. Um, they picked up the owners um, of Leicester City Football Club, and including their chairman, um, for shy in there as well and next thing you know it's crashed in the car park and it's a 50 feet fireball and all five passengers are dead it was horrific horrific news to read about that and uh, yeah we're all behind you Lester um, um, and that is an awful bit of news and of course as well going back to my colleagues over in the United States Another horrific mass shooting in Pittsburgh as well, and a synagogue of all places. I mean, I don't want to get too political about that, but I don't think you need me to tell you how awful that is. And yeah, it was yeah, it was a place pretty close to where I lived in Pittsburgh when mm. I went to college. So, yeah, like mm. yeah, it's awful. And I liked the little touch from the Steelers of changing their logo before the game. Um, which I think was the um, I believe it was it was one of their other religious stars. Yes, I, I they, uh, they turned the uh, they turned the yellow uh, they they turned the yellow star of their uh, of their iconic emblem into the star of David to honor the victims of the Tree of Life shooting on October twenty seventh. Uh, said to be the deadliest attack on the Jewish community in the history of the United States. There were people who who lived through the Holocaust and came to the mm. United States only to be gunned down in such a 
such an awful thing like this. It just makes me sick. Yeah, it's horrific. And yeah, we are ultimately very small. We're just three pokey guys pretending to be you know motorsport journalists and enthusiasts but the world is often so much bigger we are we as sports fans are often so much bigger and you know as i've said many a time on this show we don't stick to sports and if we wanted to make a quick note of that it's it's awful it's horrific and our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone affected kind of makes the mexican grand prix seem so insignificant by comparison but you tuned in for us that's what we're here to do and hopefully we'll make it a little bit more entertaining than the race itself which was you know decent i guess in that sense as everyone looks to me the sebastian vettel fan in the corner having to hail mercy to lewis hamilton overtaking my man in the all-time championship standings do you know how much this pains me right now? Like this, this is painful. So while I while I get the the uh, Church of Trades um, charity bucket going around the room, I'll play some music, and when we come back, we'll talk about the next. got enough in this bucket for the need for the private jet. <laughs> Useful. Yes. Alright, church is now in session. All rise. You may now be seated. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> the La Ciudad de Mexico. The 2018 Mexican Grand Prix. Round 19 of the 2018 Formula 1 Championship. And well, he very nearly won it on home soil. Um, a week ago for Lewis Hamilton, but uh, this was the one. <laughs> we, we, we could delay the inevitable no longer. <clears throat> Lewis Hamilton is a five-time world driver's champion. And, well, we'll talk about the race itself in a minute, but of course that's going to be the biggest takeaway from this weekend for sure. And... Uh, for our first hymn this meeting, open your pages to uh, to page 44, and uh, which you're now seeing the blessed one. Praise be. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, like, Lewis Hamilton finished, or was it fifth in the end this past weekend? I mean, the Mercedes, fourth in the end. Uh, Mercedes were yes. not good this was weekend. I mean, we'll get to the nuances as to why in a minute, but obviously we have to talk about Lewis and, and world title number five. We've, I've, I've tried, I, I could put this off no longer. <laughs> I mean, King, what can you, this, this, like, this might be his greatest season of them all. I mean, we already knew this man was spectacular. We already knew he was outstanding. But the way he's won this championship, it's... It, I mean, if there was any debate left who the best driver on the planet is, it's number 44. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, he's probably the best driver driving right now. Probably. It's... I don't know. I, I'm not... Like, I'm not saying that this year's is the best season ever. I'd, I'd say that, like, 
he's not that much improved on last year, but last year, you could say that last year was pretty close to being his best season ever. It's just, he's clearly the best driver on the planet right now. It's relentless. That's how, because me, like, I, me, I was sitting down with, with, with my brother watching this race, and you, you all know brother Ryan very well if you watch my hangouts and live streams and whatnot. Follow him at Twitter, by the way, at the brother Ryan, if you want to see more of his insight. <laughs> He's still kind of crying because his favourite rider of all time, Alvaro Bautista, was on a Ducati this weekend. It was actually kind of funny. I've never seen like a, my, my my twenty year old brother openly crying at five in the morning <laughs> over a Moto GP race. <laughs> yeah, you 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 like you haven't you haven't seen life until you've seen that yet. Like he's the most hard faced man in the world, but he's crying over Bautista on a Ducati. It's crazy. But um, we were watching that race together, and like he stormed out of the room when he won the title. He just couldn't he couldn't bear how insufferable the whole thing was, but. You look at the numbers, and the numbers are just outrageous. Nine wins already this season. You could have another ten-win year. He has. He's had one DNF in Austria. We all know that was a technical retirement. Um, every other race this season, he's been in the top five. He's only been off the podium three other times in general. It is. It's insane. There is no other way to describe it. He, like. <laughs> I know a lot of this season has quickly dissolved into how Sebastian blew it. I think actually more than Lewis winning it, which is actually kind of sad in that sense because, like, Lewis was going into this round with a seventy-point championship lead, and like, I don't know how much of the press conferences you guys saw or how much of like the people were interviewing the drivers on Thursday and whatnot, but there was an overriding pattern that was going on here. And it, a lot of it boiled down to, could you like like saying that could you have won the title if you were in Sebastian's car? Was a question that was asked on Thursday, <laughs> and like somebody asked Ricardo on Autosport.com about you know is is Vettel getting reckless? And he was like, well, no, he really isn't. He wasn't erratic in anything he did. It was just you know the car wasn't there for him when he needed it. And Gasly was like, no, he's under a lot of pressure. Like, we get it. Like, I get how he's struggling here. Perez said, you know, I don't want to call he's desperate, but it was like, he understands what happened. And, like, I I actually think it's kind of sad that a lot of the, you know, (laughs) you know, a a lot of this, the narrative and the nature of, of this championship was boiled down to how Seb blew it more than how Lewis won it. And, of course, we'll... Or maybe kind of ignoring the fact that Ferrari's blowing it again. Yeah, that too, to be fair. And, you know, as I've always said, we as we as Formula 1 fans, we care more about drivers than teams. At least in my opinion, at least, from the perception that I've seen in the last few years on social media. I think we're much more invested in drivers than teams. And naturally, being the vocal point of Ferrari for the last four years now, they're going to point the finger at Seb and I've acknowledged and talked about it on numerous shows in the last month or so, but, like, it's actually kind of sad that it's it's kind of become the Seb show, and it's like, look, look here, here's, like, and I'm going to use a Mexican, I'm going to use a Mexican joke here, here's your piñata, by the looks of it, basically, right? It's like, let's beat Seb into submission over this one. And I'd like to point out that, for me, at least from where I'm sitting, the key point about how Seb won this title, or Seb lost the title, how Lewis won it, 
was that every mistake that Ferrari or Sebastian made over the course of this season was counterpunched by Lewis in some exceptional fashion. And I think that, more than anything else, I think was how Lewis won this title. Like, Ferrari opened the door to be attacked on numerous occasions, and almost every single time they did. Who was there? Who was the guy who benefited most? It was Lewis Hamilton. Every single time. Like, like we talk about Silverstone where... Sebastian won on home soil and that and well, you joked about Ferrari's social media saying that the racing was a hammer blow what happens one race later on home soil <laughs> Seb puts it in the gravel trap at home in Germany and who comes through the field to win it after, after having to qualify I think was it I think it was something like 16th on the grid it was Lewis Hamilton who it's like like those two rounds for me sum up the championship more than anything else like we all thought that maybe around Silverstone it might just be Sebastian's year. Then Lewis would go on a tear and he won six of the next seven. And that was it. By the time we got to Japan, it was over. Like, it's almost like surgical precision. It's, it's, it's incredible. And we, I think we are genuinely witnessing one of the greatest drivers we've ever seen in this sport. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, RJ, take the wheel if you want, but, I mean, five world titles, me, 71 uh, wins. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. So let me, uh, so let me try and uh, explain this in a, in a, just a perspective here. There have been, uh, according to Wikipedia, there have been 761 human beings who have started a Formula One Grand Prix. 107 of those have won a Formula One race. Out of those 107 uh, people who have won a Formula One race, 33 different drivers have won the championship. And out of those 33, only three of them have ever won it more than four times ever. Michael Schumacher with seven, Juan Manuel Fangio with five, and now Lewis Hamilton with five. That is, uh, that's a that's amazing to think, and that's why you know, as 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 comfortable as it might be, we do have to start talking now about the very po- real possibility that Lewis Hamilton is not just one of the greats; he ha- he might he might have a legitimate claim by the time his career is said and done, maybe to be the best of all time. He's going to have a compelling argument if this keeps up. Like, we forget. There's still two more years of the, the of this current formula as it is before we get to the next major regulation change in 2021. Like, okay, we're going to have simpler front wings and there's a few minor tweaks for next season, sure. But when it comes to, like, power units and, and major car development, 2021's the next big milestone. That leaves another two years. At the pace Lewis has been going with this, he's going to have roughly seven world titles and close to 90, maybe 91, 92 wins by the end of this generation if he keeps going at this current form. Because he's averaging about 10 wins a year since the hybrid era began. He's won world titles every year. 11, 11, 10, 10, 9, and 9 with two races left to go this yeah. season. He's averaging 10 a season since the hybrids began. 
like the race win at at, at uh, what was it Japan I think was his fiftieth win for Mercedes as a factory, which just for Mercedes, yeah. So subtract all the wins that he had for McLaren from two thousand seven to two thousand and twelve, which included the first of his titles and a couple of seasons where he probably should have won the title. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. He is. <laughs> he's like he's becoming that Schumacher-esque stat sheet stuffer, and he's arguably doing it in a slightly more competitive, certainly I think in terms of driver talent era than I think we had in the early two thousands when Schumacher was a dominant guy. And and you should just note, uh, Lewis Hamilton's win rate is actually higher than Michael Schumacher's. Yes, yeah. you forget Schumacher raced twenty seasons. Like it's. <laughs> This is year 11 for Lewis Hamilton, and he's only 20 wins behind him. Like, he's got a lot of years left if he wants to. Hamilton doesn't turn 34 till January. Like, he's fine. Yeah, Yeah. like, Juan Manuel Fangio did not start a world championship race until he was 38. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so, Lewis is 20 wins shy of Michael Schumacher, but he's also 80 starts, 81 starts shy. And like I said, we have two more years of the current regulations like this, where Mercs, Mercs are not going to drop off the face of the earth anytime soon. They are probably going to... Yeah, the only yeah. way Mercs are pulling off the face of the earth is if they get embroiled at their own diesel gate. And I don't think that's no happening I, I somehow don't think that's going to be a thing. Like, just, just a hunch, personally. Just a bit of a I, I'd just like to point out as well for everybody that OE betting fans out there, Lewis Hamilton is already an even money favorite to retain the title next year. Um, they've already priced that up. So uh, Sebastian's 11 to 4 by comparison. So just under 3 to 1 in that sense. But uh, yeah, like the according to where people are money that are placing their money and what the traders are saying, expect more in the future. Um, you know, so. <laughs> The biggies that normally get this wrong, let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, like, I would actually like at the end of the season to go back, King, and redo episode eight, where we did our all-time top ten list at the end of the year, because a lot's changed in the last four years. Um, and that'll be a pretty cool fourth anniversary episode. But uh, yeah. Um, I'm starting to think he's probably in the top three. He's like I think Fangio, Schumacher, and Hamilton is probably that top three. Maybe even in that order. It's like I I can't think of an argument to put him above, like to put him below Senna, Prost, and Sebastian at this point. Yeah, there there isn't any no. reason besides sentimentality yeah. to put to put Hamilton below. He's third. I think he's third at minimum. I think. You know I mean, people are going to come up with all sorts of arguments, you know, against, you know, again, you know, possibly for or against Fangio or or or, or Michael in this case. But the, the the only issue that you could make for or against Fangio or Schumacher, you could make for or against yeah, Lewis Hamilton. It's, it's right. yeah, you know. Yeah, you know the argument that, oh, Fangio, Fangio just kept jumping until he got the best car. Yeah, that's what you could do in the 50s, when uh, when Formula One racing was still kind of the lawless land of the West. Um, 
You could say that Michael Schumacher benefited from having the best car. It took him five years to build that team up. Yeah, and pretty much most of Ferrari's core staff from the Schumacher <coughs> dynasty was from the Schumacher dynasty at Benetton. So yeah, it's it's terrible. Like I think I think you're absolutely right, King. I think only love for the 80s or 90s or in the Fangio's case maybe the 50s is any sort of reason why I think you'd put Senna, Prost, Senna or Prost anywhere above Lewis I think he is probably in the top three now all time I think I said the same thing about Mark Marquez on last week's Bike Live minor spoiler um, but I said I, I said back then there's a I think there's a case you can make Marquez might be number one and and it's getting close to that point where we're gonna have to start having that conversation about Lewis very soon especially given that you know we as sports love a hot take we love in a, we live in a very instant sort of gratification sort of space where it's like you know we we embrace the present more than anything else but uh, no. No, I think right now the conversation is whether he's in the top three or not. Three years down the line, we're probably going to have this conversation again about whether he's the greatest of all time or not. Mm. Right. You know, we used to think it would be impossible to think that any basketball player would ever touch Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. Uh, as it turns out, there's a few players who might be there or thereabouts. Hi, LeBron. Hi, Kobe. No, Kobe's not in that conversation. You get out. I'm a Lakers fan, and I'm telling you, you're crazy. Like, yeah, Kobe's not get in that out, RJ. Um, but uh, no, like, I, I will sincerely say, and and and, and I bet there's a bunch of Hamilton fans recording this for prosperity as we speak. So, hi guys, congratulations, Lewis. And I've often joked and hit him with a stick repeatedly because. He's not flaw- He's not an angel off the track. Maybe I think he'll be the first guy to admit it. I don't think anyone is. To be fair, these days <laughs> in Formula One, there's always some sort of controversial eyebrow you can raise over most of these dudes at some point. But I said it on Twitter at the time. He is one of the greatest we've ever seen. He is a truly transcendent superstar that puts this sport in places it's never been before. You know. Like it says a lot when Will Smith is getting on the team radio to congratulate him on the world title. When Tommy Hilfiger is showing up to say props, Lewis, and thank you for being a part of our team, and we're so proud of you. Tommy Hilfiger is saying this. Like one of the dude, people didn't even know that Tommy Hilfiger was a real person. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeff Gordon is showing up to be to be with the team. Like, yeah, like this guy is box office. We've like, I think we could truly say like, there has been no one in Formula One that has ever moved the needle like this. Like Schumacher came up in a different time, and let's be real here, he wasn't the most likable character on or off the track. Like. Though, I do love how we say a different time, and that was, like, just 20 years ago. A lot can happen in 20 years, my man. A lot can happen in 20 years. You're absolutely right, but, you know, I can't deny how popular this man is. I can't deny what he does for the sport, how important he is for the sport, you know. 
how a role model he is for the sport out there about you know how creative a person he is like i was like i'll give you a little, little side note like i have a, I have a best friend hi Rashana. i know you're listening to this um she's been a best friend of mine for 12 years she's a massive fan of american culture and she always points out how hamilton is the one mentioned on wendy williams all the time because of her because of his relationship with the cole scherzinger because of the Nicki minaj rumors that are floating around and all that the idea of lewis hamilton getting on conventional mainstream american tv like the daily show like blows my mind that, that is even a thing like I don't know. I, I feel like we need to have a talk about Lewis Hamilton and American culture because they're like two. There are like two very separate and distinct reasons why Hamilton's brought up in American culture. It's either one, like you know, your Hollywood tangential gossip, which why he gets mentioned on Wendy Williams, or people in American media who are Formula One fans, but like you know, their audience generally aren't like you say Trevor Noah or people when like that. Oh, when the time step was on Letterman, which was the most awkward fucking thing imaginable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, he's transcendent. And, like, he's getting in places that you don't normally get to. And that's something that Formula 1 has so often struggled with over the years. Like, we say that a lot of these guys don't have personalities and they're hard to move the needle. And we have someone that genuinely can. And that especially back home in in the uk i mean not so much in the us for obvious reasons but like there is no doubt about it he is one of the greatest athletes that this country's ever produced like there is no doubt about it and given we are a country that puts f1 on a plinth higher than pretty much every other country on earth maybe italy you know but you get the gist like we love f1 here and hamilton is like right at the very top now when it comes oh my yeah, so you know, it's it's incredible, and he is a needle mover. He's transcendent. He's incredible, and he's—I can't believe I'm saying this—he's what this sport needs right now. Because like, like even if Seb was at the top, he's not that dude, and that's okay. No one, you don't have to be that dude, and that's why that's part of the reason why I like and appreciate Seb so much is because he's not that guy. Oh my God, but, Trevor Noah, Sebastian Vettel. It's, it, like it wasn't a, a Sebastian Vettel impression during Hamilton's interview, but it was like uh, how during his interview on the Daily Show, Trevor Noah made a point said like Hamilton makes it a point that number one he wants to be his himself, he wants to have his own interests outside of the sport, yeah. and he said Trevor Noah in a German accented impression uh, said. Other drivers are like this. They're like, I, I just want to get in the car. I just want to race. And I just that's all I want to focus on. I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. See, I'm. I feel like you know, you know, we make a lot about how dominant, cha- uh, dominant champions, you know, driving people away from the sport. I can tell you this: Lewis Hamilton is a fun dominant champion. Like, if you yes. had a dude that just won half the races or three, two thirds of the races all the time, uh, you couldn't get much better choices to have than Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, because he may be a sore loser when he doesn't win, but he is a very, very fun winner. I'd I'd say there's there's nothing wrong with a dominant champion. the The only issue is the way your sport is perceived is shaped by the personality of your dominant champion. So if you're a dominant champion who's only focused about the sport, you're only going to attract people who are you know focused on the minutia of the sport. Uh, if you have someone like Lewis Hamilton who's interested in things outside of Formula One, people who are interested in the things that Lewis Hamilton is interested in are going to 
you know, say, like, hey, I have to see what this Formula One thing is about. And that's my shit, dude. Yeah. Because I said, you like, I know Trevor made the easy comparison, but it's like Seb and Michael were like that. They're, they are car-focused dudes. Like, Seb's interests aren't what mainstream people will conceive it to be interested in, like, playing backgammon or riding his bike. <laughs> like, that's not sexy to these people, you know? Like, that's, like, I remember one of Seb's favourite pastimes was playing was playing Bernie at backgammon. Like, that's not going to appeal to anyone at a mainstream level. But, you know, Lewis is different, and that's awesome. And Seb is different too, and that's awesome. But I think you're absolutely right. I think the sport is absolutely moulded. Um... Is molded in the shape of its dominance. I mean, we talked about this on Bike Live as well last week with regarding Mark Marquez and the, the, the talk of you know, well, Marquez has won five of the last six MotoGP championships, and yet we don't get the complaints about sport being boring and it's worse off because Marquez is always winning. And it's the case of like Formula One and MotoGP may also have this sort of crossover tangent by comparison, where again Lewis has won four out of the last five time championships there. You know, or the fact that, you know, Mark has won five of the last six, but yet we love MotoGP because their product is, uh, their product is arguably the best on the planet right now. And no one's really bothered because Marquez is a great, interesting, fun personality. And I think Lewis ticks a lot of those boxes too, even if F1 is a bit more antiquated than MotoGP in terms of its audience. But hey, that's a discussion for a different day. <laughs> Listen to episode, episode 84 of Mike Live for more of that, by the way. I actually really enjoyed talking about Marquez in that context for, for a good 20, 30 minutes. It's, uh, it, I, I was actually really happy of how that turned out. Um, me and Lewis, we, we shot the shit on that one quite a lot, and it was it was, it was good fun. It really was. But uh, congratulations to, to, to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, we all know he's the best on the planet. And, and we all will appreciate what he brings to the table, even if we don't necessarily agree with all of it. And that's the beauty of it, I guess. So, how did we get to this point? Uh, that uh, As Lewis jumps out of the car and, and, and basically says, uh, you know, like, as, as, the, as the screen pauses and goes, Hi, you're probably wondering how I got in this situation. So, let's... Yeah, how, how did we get to the point where Lewis Hamilton won the World Championship... But when he got out of his car, he did not run up to the podium. Yeah, like, wait, what do you mean they had a separate pillar for the champion? Um, <laughs> yes, this was a thing. How did we get to this point? Well, so, as the weekend started, Max Verstappen was fastest in every single session leading up to Saturday afternoon. Um, fastest in all three practice sessions, even though he had a hydraulic failure in, in practice two, which raised a lot of eyebrows, like, uh-oh, here we go again. Also, remember the note, hydraulic failure, it becomes important later. <laughs> um, qualifying comes around, and in a very close fight, to be fair, uh, it was actually, well, hang on, I'll just check my notes. Daniel Ricciardo on pole position? <laughs> Right. For the first time outside of Monaco, for the third time in his career, um, if you watch the side-by-side -side lap, which shows the tracker, oh, yeah. which is, which, oh yeah, you told me about this. This is neat. Um, yeah, he makes up all that time in the S's. Yeah, sector two, he made up two tenths of a second on Verstappen. They were virtually identical um, in, sectors, in sector three. It was that Verstappen was quicker in sector one. Ricardo was was excellent on the Foster S's, and in the end, by just twenty six thousandths of a second, 
he snagged his third career pole position, which shocked everyone, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, oh my god, Daniel's gone, Daniel's gone and stolen Max's lunch money. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that was Max Verstappen's last opportunity at breaking the record for being Formula One's youngest ever pole sitter. And, yeah. and who holds that record again? Sebastian oh. Vettel, <laughs> ah. 2008 Italian Grand Prix. Safe again. <laughs> I've got to hold on to something here, King. Yeah, I've got to hold on to something. <laughs> Still three more years and for that having, youngest world title chase. Yeah. <laughs> and having retired from, uh, from, what is it, five of the previous nine races leading up to this point, and just looking miserable after the United States Grand Prix at Austin the week before, you're finally starting to get the feeling right. Things are going to turn up Daniel Ricciardo's way. It's the last three races of his Red Bull contract. He's got <laughs> nothing left to lose. Narrator. Let's it skip wasn't. ahead of the race start. <laughs> um, Ricciardo gets a pretty decent start. Lewis Hamilton gets a slightly better start. Mats Verstappen gets a terrific start. And that's how Mats Verstappen jumped his teammate on the front row. Yep. And to make matters worse, Lewis Hamilton had turned it into a Red Bull sandwich, dropping Ricardo to third. Um, so uh, yeah, an awful start from Danny Rick. Did you know, did his race chances in Verstappen? Then pretty much took control from the front from start to finish. Um, it's uh, kind of crazy. Also. <laughs> I'll get to why that's, that's also kind of scary in a minute. I'll, I'll promise I'll come back to this in about 10 minutes. But uh, Verstappen took control of the early period. And the story of this race was, uh-oh, Pirelli kind of underbaked just how soft their tyres were this weekend. Um, they brought the Hypersofts, Ultrasofts, and Supersofts for this weekend. So the softest allocations they bring on average to a race weekend and the hypers were out of the question <laughs> altogether. Like in practice, we were we were finding out they were gone after about six laps. Like so, to shout out to Pirelli for accidentally bringing the 2013 the 2013 batch of Pirellis along. I thought that was quite a fun twist for this weekend. Um, it turned into a two stop race um, pretty much all the way through, and it it became quite clear that uh, Lewis Hamilton was chewing his tires up in second place. Um, it's kind of been like the only major Achilles heel of Mercedes over the last few years um, is that in high temperatures they don't run very well and Mexico was hot um, and it got to a point where we almost saw like an impression of Abu Dhabi 2016 where, <laughs> where Hamilton was just back in the wagon up at one point um, and yeah, in the end, it got a bit sticky for him because uh, he ended up being caught by uh, by uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Sebastian Vettel. And uh, yeah, once they cleared him out of the way, Hamilton was in a distant fourth place. Um, more on that later. But uh, King, what did you make of the tie situation around there? Well, because I forgot to mention, I didn't see on Discord King. It just had to go. That to point it to the loo or something. Oh, Jay, tell me. Oh, I, I, th I thought it was a, I thought it was a just a beautiful disaster. It looked like we were finally going to get a race where you know a two-stop strategy might actually be quicker this time out. Kinda. I uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, just a little bit. You know, it it did pan out. Yeah, like the dirty air problem of Mexico was still very much a thing. It only took people really like mincing their tires before we saw passes being made. There was a lot of traffic jams 
through the field for others. It's not just dirty air. It's dirty, thin air because it's at altitude. Yeah, exactly. The air's thinner out there, which makes it even worse. There's even more turbulence. So, yeah, it didn't help. If you noticed over the course of the race, there was like traffic jams for midfield positions all over the track to the point where half the field got lapped twice over the course. Nico Hulkenberg finished this race in sixth place and was two laps down. That. Valtteri Bottas was a com- somewhat competitive <coughs> fifth. He's helped put Mercedes one step closer to the constructors' title. He was a lap down. Yeah, Merckx was so slow. Lewis Hamilton was one minute and eighteen seconds off the victory. Almost a lap Damn. down himself. Um, it's it. I can't remember the last time on raw pace alone, Merckx were that far off. It's why Toto Wolf didn't even celebrate. He was cute. Shit, this is like a 1993 special where like the winner leads by like two laps or some shit and like seven guards finish. It's, it, it was ridiculous. It's like Toto was actually like really pissed off. Basically, yeah, he, he wasn't celebrating because he was that mad that Merckx were that far off the pace. Like, that's how ticked off he was at the fact that Merckx didn't have a particularly good day at the office. Arguably their worst of the season um, in terms of just raw performance. Uh, Getting back to the fight at the front a little bit here. Um, Verstappen is gone. He is several seconds down the road at this point. But uh, amazingly, the traffic had somehow, like, had actually brought Sebastian into play because he was able to run long on his first stint. Um, and he, he was able to reel in Daniel Ricciardo, and it took a couple of back markers um, in the end for Seb to actually come through, and Ricciardo was livid. It was uh, it was kind of funny. Like King, as a fan of the frat boy, how much were you laughing at this situation? <laughs> Ooh, laughing real hard. <laughs> My literal words on Twitter was "Take that, frat boy," um, as as as, the, as that pass went down. I mean. DRS full power battery boost. That Ferrari was doing 220 miles an hour down Mexico's back straight. And Ricardo, who even had his DRS wing open, still couldn't stop the pass. Because, again, like the back markers were refusing to get out of the way. This is starting to become a bit of a problem, isn't it, King? Because like, these back markers are not getting out of the way straight away these days, especially when they're in fights with other cars. We saw it at Singapore as well, where it's, yeah, it's difficult, that- isn't it? Yeah, that's an issue when you, you know, catch up to cars that are, you know, on the, either in the points or in contention of scoring points. They're not going to move over. They have their own races. Exactly. To deal with. It's it's like when Grosjean got his penalty points in Singapore, he was racing Sorokin for points at that point in time. It's a hard sell to try and make a guy move over when he's literally way quicker than Sorokin in front of him, and he's trying to desperately find a way around him to score points. I mean, what's Grosjean meant to do in that scenario here? It's like, it's 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 a hard sell, and it's not easy when you've got cars like it was in the case of Grosjean, that was Hamilton and Verstappen battling for position, but at the same time, Grosjean and Sorokin battling for position. And you're telling Grosjean to give up two or three seconds to let two cars go past him. It's, uh... It's a, it's a shitty deal, let's put it that way. And we saw a lot of it on track and a lot of argy-bargy in general in the midfield. But Gasly and Ocon got into it. Um, you know, Ocon, I think it was Ocon tagged Alonso on the opening lap. And uh, <laughs> Oh dear. Of all the bad luck scenarios to happen to Fernando Alonso, a piece of a piece of Ocon's front wing goes in his side and it ends up knocking his cooling system out. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, the official list, uh, the official reason for retirement was listed as water pressure. Mm. What ought to happen? <laughs> this is not a Precia 14 Asian. No. I can just say that now. Also, it actually kind of sucks for him because uh, as a result of that, Fernando Alonso now cannot break the all-time Formula One laps raced record. It's now mathematically it's it. now mathematically impossible for him to do that unless he comes back at some point, um, or until Formula One institutes a green right checker rule. <laughs> By the end of the Somehow, year. I think the former might actually be more likely in that scenario rather than the latter. <laughs> but uh, Paul Fernando suffered as a result of that one. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't fun. But uh, shout out to Sebastian for finding a way around Daniel Ricciardo. And then, um, for my own sense of uh, like misaligned pride going, take that, git, as Parsi passed Lewis Hamilton for second. Um that 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 felt nice. That was a it's a small ray of sunshine on an otherwise cloudy day. Um, Seb drove like an animal on that one to get back into second place in the end, but he he backed off on the last stint of the race. Uh, basically, it was seventeen seconds off the winning Verstappen in the end. Um, but as he can probably, as I mentioned about about ten minutes ago when I said, remember the hydraulic failure? It kind of becomes important later. Daniel Ricciardo is on a one-stop strategy. His tires are good. Like, Red Bull and Horner had worked out that, hey, there's a bit of a drop-off on the super softs, but then they seem to get better again after about 25 laps. Daniel Ricciardo was on lap 46 of running his super soft tire. He was probably going to finish this race in second, and Red Bull have their first one too, you know, basically since the V8 era. And next thing you know, there is smoke coming out of the rear of Ricardo's car, and he pulls over to one side of a hydraulic failure. The same failure that Verstappen had in FP2 hit the Red Bull. And for those keeping score at home, it is Daniel Ricardo's eighth DNF of 2018, his 11th in the last 23 Grand Prix. A near 50% retirement rate. <laughs> going back through last season. I mean, what can you say that hasn't already been said here? Like, who did Daniel Ricciardo kill in a previous life? Like, like did, did, did he kick a black cat when he was a child? Is that something I, I, I didn't know about here? Because, like, King, this is brutal. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you you, there, you can't blame Brando for this at all. Because no. not only was it not power unit related uh the the piece that failed was a proprietary red bull component yeah yeah this is a this is a red bull problem and we talked about it last year about how red bull as a team had 13 podiums they also had 13 dnfs and i think i'm right in saying red bull are up to 12 for this season now yeah. So it's they've they're they're making the same reliability errors that they made this time last year. It's uh, it's not good. I mean, it is brute. Like we forget, Ricardo had four DNFs in a row at one point in this season, and five out of six at one point as well. It is uh, oh boy, it's it, gotten it's so dinner. bad that uh, after the race, people were starting to speculate. Oh my God, is Daniel Ricardo? Just gonna take his ball, take his take his helmet and put it in the fridge, 
and go home. We, we, uh, did Ricardo say anything to facilitate this room, or is yes, it just... Yes, F- he did. Okay, what did he say? I was like, I've, I've forgotten about this one. I didn't hear this until this morning. I was like, huh? Really? Wait a second <laughs> to pull it up. We're a highly organized podcast, everybody. Yeah. We're professionals. It's what we do. Yeah, this was, uh, this was in the media pen after the race. And uh, Christian Horner, you know, as he is what to do because he is the team boss and he still has him under contract, you know, he's out to say it's just frustrated. He'll, he'll cool off with it. But um, what he sure. said after the race just sounds like a very, very broken man. Um, and it's got people talking uh, kind of seriously, maybe more seriously than they should, about whether Daniel Ricciardo was going to see out the last two races of his deal with Red Bull. He will most likely see out the last two races with Red Bull. Yeah, so yeah. the exact quote is, just things are happening on Sunday, which I've got no explanation for. The car, and then he stops himself. I'll let Gasly drive it. I'm done with it. <laughs> let Gasly drive it. It's like, fuck it, we're done here. Oh, dear. It's like... I'm, keep, I'm, I'm keeping count. That is, that is Red Bull's tw- like technically, it's a it's their eleventh DNF of the season. Um, you could argue it's twelve, but Verstappen was classed as a finisher when his brakes failed at Silverstone. He did complete over ninety percent distance, so technically he did finish that race in fifteenth place. So you could say eleven slash twelve DNFs for Red Bull as a team this year. I've said it before, this team is utterly infuriating. Like, Yeah. They can like, be so good, but they're not. I've said it before, pound for pound, I think they're the worst team in F1, not named McLaren. Like, I, it is infuriating to me that this team, with all their resources, with all the arrogance that comes out of their camp, with all the shit they end up selling every single year, they are in no man's land. In the, like, they are third... Okay, they are way better than Renault in fourth. That's that that goes without saying at this point. Of course, they've got you know, three times their point total, but against the teams that we, we measure them against, because let's not forget we are talking about four-time constructors champions, Red Bull Racing here, right? Four-time With consecutive. all the same people, hmm. the same engineers that helped put that team together, same team principal, same lead designer, a lot of the same engineers and brain trust in place. Yeah, the drivers have changed, but a lot has stayed the same. 200, yeah, and- 220 points off, off Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. 220. Shh. They're in no man's land. They are almost but being outscored 2-1. to one. This is still the same season where so far we still got two races to run. They have four wins. It's the most confusing thing. And the funny thing is, all four wins have come from Max Verstappen, I think. Well, from Ricardo in Ricardo and no, Monaco. No, uh, no, I've got two. Yeah, two. Yeah, China. I've got China. My bad. Um, they've got two wins each. They have four wins, and yet they have completely killed any chance of a constructor's run because of all the technical issues that that car has had. Are they are they running that close to the needle now that it's like they have to run these risks, otherwise they'd be much worse as a team? Because my God. 11 DNFs again this year is almost one per car per race. It's not good. It's 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 terrifying. It's just oh my god. It is infuriating. I can't imagine what it's like if you're a Ricardo fan or a Red Bull fan in general because if you're a Ricardo fan, Verstappen is now 
He's scored so well in the second half of the year. He's only 20 points off the bronze medal spot in this championship standings right now behind Kimi Raikkonen. He's actually got an outside chance of third in the championship. It's it's crazy. But hey, maybe Red Bull's just tripping major nutsack. Yeah, I think, like, you'll, like, I think you'll see this... My gut feeling of why you see disparity between Verstappen and Ricardo's cars is they're more aggressive with Verstappen's car. So if something fails, if something fails on Verstappen's car, it's usually in practice or qualifying. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Ricardo's just a sucker for punishment at this point. It's like they don't. Yeah, they're yeah. just they're they're. It's gonna sound strange. But they're making Ricardo's car more likely to fail in the race because overall they're more conservative with Ricardo's car. Maybe so. I mean, why would they back him when they know he's out of the team next year? They don't want to give him an edge. Like, why would they? I mean, if they have to. No. Be- like, not not only they don't want to risk his car failing, so they don't push it in practice or qualifying or the race. Though the car is under most strain during the race. That's true. That is true. May the nutsack be tripped. But let's talk about Max Verstappen on the other side of the coin. What a performance that was from Max. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He he drove uh, the most exciting driver in Formula One. Drove a boring, um, very straightforward, very controlled race. Dominant one by 17 seconds, the second straight year he's completely dominated this weekend, um, especially in, in, in race trim. Just Sebastian was the only guy that had even had half an answer for him, and he was he was pegged back by, you know, having four other cars in his way off the start, and that took him a, a, a million years to find a way around, and by that point, Verstappen already had the race won um, on that one. But hey, you know, a, a brilliant double podium for Ferrari, and it did not look like they were going to get that, but second to third, props to Kimi Raikkonen for running a one-stopper and actually getting to the flag. Um, could do no more when asked about it there, so good job from Kimi, and like, I gotta say, and the Church of Dre is preparing a statement on this, like, Sebastian is a better man than me for how he handled not winning that championship. Dear God. Um, he was in the middle of his post-race interview with David Coulthard, who did the, who did the post-race you know, interviews like, as he does now, like every other race now. These days, he, he was in second place. They, also, they pull him up in the stadium area, and he cuts it off so he can go over and congratulate Lewis arm in arm and said well deserved and he was the better man this year and uh, I'm very glad that Hamilton uh, paraded him in front of the in front of the fans and said look at him look at this guy as well which was uh, a very a very classy gesture um, on on top of that and it didn't end now they've got some sort of F1 social media but uh, he actually went into Mercedes garage during their technical D meeting and shook hands with everybody in the room and said congratulations on the championship. That is why I'm proud to be a fan of this guy. He is a great, great dude. And I didn't even realize this until last night that he was actually, he bawled his eyes out in the post-race press conference as well. I've like, I've been, this is Seb's, what, 11th season, I think, 10th season. I have never seen him cry outside of the car like that you know he did when he won the world title in 2010 but i have never seen seb like that ever like this for all the talk and you know again we mentioned at the top of the show about you know 
you know the the a lot of how the the season has been uh, every bit as much about Seb losing it as compared to Hamilton winning it because I know a lot of people are insistent in telling me that Ferrari had the best car and they should have absolutely won by a mile and yet here we are Hamilton's winning it three rounds early or two rounds early I should say and I have never ever seen Sebastian like that ever like it was actually quite chilling to see and I know a lot of people have said to me, well, Dre, this isn't right. Like, why is he doing this? Like, and I'll be the first guy to tell you, I am a sports nut. I am a, my, I, there's not a lot of sports that I don't watch. And, and emotion is a part of live sport. It's part of the beauty of it. And I didn't personally have a problem with that. I, I mean, the world is watching and that's part of why we love sports because we tune in we're emotionally invested just as much as they are in the cars and uh oh boy um he's a good dude seb and he handled that better than i ever could i would not be going into Merck's garage and congratulating them like that <laughs> like if i just lost a championship like that in such a frustrating fashion to be outpointed by you know a good 80 in the last half dozen rounds um I don't even know what to say. It's uh, it's 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 crazy. But uh, I think, I mean, Andre, what, what you got to say? Is I know you wanted to chip in a little bit there. Oh, it's a lot. I I don't think Seb has. Yeah, I know he'll feel frustrated that there were some races that got away on the first lap. Some that got away while the Witten was pretty much well in grasp. Hi, Germany. Mm-hmm. Um. I wouldn't give up on Seb's hopes yet. I know everybody's excited to cheat, see Charles Leclerc overtake Sebastian Vettel his place in the team. And granted, I think we all want to see Charles Leclerc do well. I don't think Seb has that much to be ashamed of. He did awesome in the first round of the season. He's genuinely helped Fer- turn Ferrari into a perennial championship contender, and he's getting it better every single year. That's not an easy thing to say for a team that is so determined to trip over its own dick every now and then. <laughs> this is true. I mean, we've we've spoken about Ferrari's issues at length, and I think it's very easy to forget that Seb has won 13 Grand Prix for this team. It's that's uh, that's uh, like a lot of like like I'd say 95% of F1 drivers have not won 13 Grand Prix in their career. Felipe Massa, yeah. Felipe Massa didn't. You know, Mark Webber hasn't won it. Ricardo and Verstappen combined don't have 13 career victories. You know, it's that's that's more than Alonso had at Ferrari. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, the Fernando, the guy we put on a plinth during the Ferrari era, the guy that we thought was pound-for-pound king during the Ferrari era because of how much of a fight he gave Sebastian. It's, a like, basically, (laughs) Seb's been a runner-up for twice as a championship and as a championship contender. The same Fernando Alonso has. They're so ashamed of being second place to an all-time great. You wouldn't think that if you read it on the internet, though, would you? I mean, Jesus yeah, Christ. I guess you're right. Like, like, yeah. like, let's put it into context here. He is the only man in, over the course of a season that's been in the same postcode as Lewis Hamilton for the last two years. The first, like last year was the first time a Mercedes has ever been beaten in the in in this hybrid era of the constructors' championship because he was second last year too. That was the first time a Mercs had not been one and two. It's like. 
we forget this is like Seb has almost single-handedly put Ferrari back on the map because we forget. Does anyone remember the first year of Ferrari as a hybrid? Dark times. Uh, don't <laughs> remind me. Dark friggin' times. Like I said, we've and as as Charles and Johnson pointed out, Nico Rosberg was really good during that early hybrid era as well. Like really, really good. And you know, we we miss his presence in F one for just how good he was. But you know, I think this is what we've all wanted to see over the years. And and I know a lot of people have turned on Sebastian and. Parts of that is justified. I mean, we are not saying Seb is blameless here. He did throw away a couple of silly ones. Probably France and Germany are the ones that probably stick out to be the most. I mean, again, we we can debate about the nature of lap one incidents until the cows come home because lap ones are hard. Like spoiler alert, kids. Um, But we for- i think a lot of people have forgotten just how important seb has been in the modern day history of f1 and i've i've spoken about it before but during this race weekend that a lot of people like as rj mentioned have turned on seb their opinion of him was diminished over the course of the year depending on how harsh you want to be but this is one of the greatest drivers of all time probably in the top six maybe even a little bit higher than that quite frankly and like the guy that has pushed Hamilton to be this guy, the two drivers that have pushed him the most over this hybrid era has been Nico Rosberg, a guy that we never gave due credit to until after he hung it up, and Sebastian Vettel. It's why I, on Twitter I put the picture up of those two arm in arm and Hamilton parading Seb to the fans, and I said, we are so lucky to have these two because I don't think we'd be appreciating Lewis as the all-time great he was if it wasn't the fact that he had a giant target on his back called Sebastian Vettel and how important Damn. he is in that and he is a, a, he is a magnificent racing driver we forget that sometimes and like I said 13 wins for Ferrari and there's, there's bound to be more coming he's won five times this year he won five times last year like as I mentioned he that the Ferrari hybrid was terrible. He had a key hand in making Ferrari the juggernaut that it is now to the fact that Mercedes actually has competition. And let's not forget, Ferrari still have a chance at the constructors. As slim as it is, I mean, they're 55 points behind with two to go, but that's the closest anyone has gotten to this team <laughs> since the hybrid era began. Like This has been the best contender Mercedes has had since the hybrids began and of course we all want to say that this team was bottled it and they've blown it and they've been terrible and yes there has been errors but the good far outweighs the bad with Ferrari this year at least that's how I look at it anyway yeah right yeah should we uh should we run out of yes results? we should um before my lung gives out um <laughs> so breaking down the, the, the result here. Vax Verstappen wins it by 17.3 seconds in the end over Sebastian Vettel in second. Kimi Raikkonen ran the three-stopper in third. So, well, three-stopper? One-stopper. <laughs> Front-stopper in third. Well done, Kimi, on that one. Lewis Hamilton, one minute and 18 seconds off the victory in fourth. As you do. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas, as RJ alluded to, a lap down. Yes, only four men finished this race on the same racing lap. 
Crikey. Valtteri Bottas in fifth. The winner of the Formula 1.5 race, Nico Hulkenberg in P6. Yet again, Renault finding some late season form again. Uh, good for them. And Charles Leclerc in seventh for Sauber. An excellent performance from him in seventh place ahead of Stoffel van Dorn in eighth. What a job from Stoffel, by the way. From doesn't he? Didn't he start the race from like like the back row? Yes, he started the race from. Uh, I believe he qualified 18th. I believe he started from. He started from 15th or 18th. I'm not sure, but he just kept chipping away and chipping away through the field until you suddenly realize he's gonna do it. He's gonna score his first points since. Baku in April. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Maybe the problem is not Stoffel Van Dorn McLaren. Maybe not. The guy that's apparently too good for their car. Um, kind of justifying the point by finishing plus seven from where he started in 15th on the grid. Brilliant job from Stoffel Van Dorn. I voted him for driver of the day, but it went to Verstappen because of course it did. Um, also, shout out to Marcus Ericsson in ninth, and I believe that means it's the first time this year both Saubers have finished in the points. Um, yes, this is the first time they finished, and this is big when we run down the Constructors' Championship. I stand corrected. They were both in the points in Austria as well. They were ninth and 10th that day. Ninth and 10th, yeah. My yeah, bad. But that's, but still a, that's still a big points haul. We'll get to that when we get to the Constructors' Championship. Indeed. Well done to Marcus Ericsson. They're both Salbers in the points. They're just competitive all the way through. Both of them made Q3, I think, for the first time this season as well. So, yeah, great job from both Salbers this weekend. Pierre Gasly, who started at the back of the grid, ended up in, ended up in 10th from the back. So, well done to Pierre Gasly as well. Despite almost catapulting Esteban Ocon into the stands, as you do. Speaking of which, he finished 11th after his early tangle with Fernando Alonso. Lance Stroll was 12th ahead of his teammate Sergei Sorokin in 13th. Brendan Hartley was 14th, as well as a five-second penalty he had for a, for a collision. Kevin Magnussen, both Haas's. Mm, um, How in the world did this happen? Both Haas's were terrible. Yeah, Grosjean three laps down. Three. Like Jesus, I, 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 like, it, has Haas run out of juice again? Like, has this happened again when they've run out of gas at the end of the season? Because uh, mm, I don't know if they've run out. No, we'll save it for later in the show. <laughs> ah, I, 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 I do to getting up there. More on that soon. But uh, yeah, only one point scoring car in the last three rounds. Um, Haas in a bit of hot water. Uh, more on that in a minute. But uh, yeah, Kevin Magnussen in 15th place, his teammate Romain Grosjean in 16th. Uh, he, they were the last cars that saw the flag um, for retirements. Daniel Ricciardo has mentioned a hydraulic failure on lap 61. Sergio Perez had a brake failure on lap 38. He did a no home, no home heroics for him, sadly. Carlos Sainz Jr. had a battery issue on lap 20. That put him out of the Grand Prix. Um, and Fernando Alonso on lap 3 with a water pressure failure. Apparently quite a pink-coloured one, depending on who you ask. Championship standings with two rounds to go with the gold tag around Lewis Hamilton's name. He is the world champ, 358 points. Um, he's 64 ahead of Sebastian. Oh, sorry, yeah, is it 64? It's not, yeah, it's 64. Yeah, my maths is right first time round. 64 points ahead of Sebastian Vettel. Um, Lewis will be gunning for that all-time points record. If he wins both rounds for the closeout of the year, he will. But Lewis never takes the last round seriously when he's won the title. So that probably won't happen. Hooray! Um, go Valtteri! 
<laughs> but uh, um, Lewis Hamilton, world champion, Sebastian Vettel in second on 294 points. It's actually now quite an intriguing fight for third. Raikkonen on 236, Valtteri Bottas on 227, nine points behind, and then Max Verstappen with 216 now um, in fifth place. Only Lewis Hamilton has scored more points in the last seven rounds than Max Verstappen. So, sorry, I'm sorry, Lewis Hamilton. So there's any guy that scored more points than Verstappen in the last seven rounds. Yeah, Verstappen's finding that late season kick again. Oh, 20 points covering third through fifth. That could be fun. Yeah, Verstappen is now 70 points ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, who is in no man's land on 146. Size all around where that's concerned. Um, in we have a breakout leader in the Formula 1.5 Championship. Nico Hulkenberg now 12 points clear of another sixth place. Um, in seventh in the constructors, Hulkenberg is putting together arguably his best ever F1 season on the down low. Good for him. Uh, it's 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 good, but his points total is very very nice. Hey, I see what you did there. Very good. Very good. Yeah, Hulkenberg on 69 points in 7th place ahead. 12 points ahead of, of Cheeky Checo in 8th on 57. K-Mag on 53 and Fernando Alonso rounding off the top 10 on 50. How is he still in the <laughs> top, top 10? 10. <laughs> he has one points finish in the last 7 rounds and he's still in the top 10. Oh my god. <laughs> Fernando's early season is still carrying him at this point. It's ridiculous. He's a point ahead of Esteban Ocon in the fight for 10th. Constructor standings, as mentioned, Mercs have not wrapped this up just yet. They are 55 points ahead of Ferrari with two to play. If they don't give up 13 to Ferrari in Brazil, they will win the Constructors' titles right there, and then they'll break out the special t-shirts, like they always do. Probably turquoise-coloured. Um, Ferrari second on 530. The vast gaping chasm of Red Bull land on 362 in third. Renault starting to break free now in fourth overall. 114 points from them now. Another solid weekend for them. Haas, another double donut. Puts them an 84 still. Um, McLaren still clinging on to sixth place. Um, I think Racing Point might run out of rounds to catch them the way it's going. They're 15 behind with two races to go. Forcing they need to get their shit together if they want that sixth place finish, um, which is actually probably says more about McLaren than that's about them at this point. Um, they're on 47. Sauber has now overtaken Toro Rosso for eighth in the Constructors' title. They have 36 points now with that double points finish in Mexico. They are three points ahead of Toro Rosso in ninth. Oh dear. Um, Honda, everybody. <laughs> Yay. Oh boy. Nine. Oh, oh boy. 33, and then Williams still at the bottom of the field in in 10th place with seven points. Two rounds to go. It's the Brazilian Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time. It'll be about a week by the time this goes out. A decent Mexican Grand Prix, I think, in the end, fellas. I mean, it it wasn't spectacular, yeah, but it, it didn't go it didn't go sideways like an English language produced Triple Mania stream. Shoutouts to Vampiro asking to play his fucking music. Mm -hmm. Where's my fucking music? <laughs> that one was for you, Johnson. <laughs> play my music. No, don't play my music. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those things. But uh, yeah, 
a, a decent Mexican Grand Prix. I'll give it six. Um, Death waving his finger at Daniel Ricciardo is on the grid launch out of ten. Um, a fun time for all involved. Um, again, see you in Mexico in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, we'll see you in Brazil while it's still technically a free country. Hmm. There's a joke there somewhere. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back after this with the news. guys we got some news to get through here and uh first up it's rj o'connor with the robert wickens update <laughs> yeah um we've been tracking of course the health of robert wickens uh throughout since his accident at pocono mm. um in the past week we've gotten some very some very confronting updates but it's good first and foremost to see that robert wickens is determined to make a recovery at all costs and second that he is owning the news of his recovery process and the work that he has to put in uh, to get back to 100%, mm. which, as we learned over the last week, is going to be a much, much longer road than we had ever anticipated yeah. before. Robert Wickens posted three days ago, that, as of the time of recording, that um, him doing a training video, and uh, Sam Schmidt, his team owner, um, was there as well, mm. helping him do uh, doing slide transfers. Uh, the first sentence really does go to show, um, though, how, how much... Robert Wickens has a, 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 a terms of ways to go in terms of recovery, not just, you know, just to live a normal life. Mm. His first post was as follows. I did my first slide transfer as a paraplegic today. My upper body is getting stronger and stronger, and hopefully I'll be able to do it unassisted soon. I've only been posting videos of the small movement in my legs, such as the time he posted himself uh, working out in the, uh, on the stationary bicycle. But the reality is I am far away from walking on my own. Some people are a bit confused with the severity of my injury, so I wanted to let you know the reality of it. I've never worked harder for anything in my life, and I'm giving up my all I've got to spark those nerves in my legs once more. It was led to wild speculation, and as people have picked up the story, many reported that Robert Wickens was uh, Robert Wickens was paralyzed. Um, so he then put out a following statement uh, the very next day. There was no announcement to confirm that I was paralyzed. I've been paralyzed the moment I hit the fence pole in Pocono. We were very clear that I had a spinal cord injury in the press release issued by SPM, but I guess people are not aware of what that means and are just speculating. Paralyzed and paraplegic are paralysis from the level of injury on the lower half. I'm paralyzed from the chest down, the level of my injury, which is T4. People may not be paraplegics forever. Since my spinal cord injury was incomplete, the nerves may be able to find a way back to my legs. Incomplete means the spinal cord was not severed, it was only bruised. In months' time, the swelling will go down, and we will learn more on how much nerve regeneration happens. The doctors have told us that every spinal cord injury is different. Two people with the same injury may heal differently. One may walk again, and one may not. Each body heals differently, so we cannot give you a definitive answer of if I will walk again, but I have full intentions of doing just that. The good news is, I already have most feeling and some movement back in my legs, so there is hope over the course of 24 months that I may regain enough movement to walk again. So far, the signs are promising, but I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I'm just keeping my head down and working until my therapist and doctors tell me to stop. Thank you for all of your support, and I hope this brought some clarity on all of this. Thanks for that, RJ. Um, well read, indeed, but uh, oh boy. 
the last paragraph, I think, kind of put it all into perspective, where he said, over the next two years, I may be able to walk again. Yeah, I think we need to stop talking about Robert Wickens in the context of a racing career, and I think we need to start talking about Robert Wickens in the context of just being able to live a normal life again. More than anything else. Because um, I know a lot of people are desperate to see him back in a car, and uh, whew, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. But uh, it's it, it was still optimistic to see him, you know, doing the slide transfer, and then, again, being so candid about it as well, because, geez, that was... That is, that is not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination yeah yeah it's not easy to do it's not easy to have to put up with uh, with other with other would-be pundits uh wishing to speculate and put words mm. in your mouth about your own condition when they don't know your experience hi, hi paul mm. tracy um <laughs> it's it's very confronting and i and i was i was devastated to learn just how far he has to go is of course I wanted to see him race again. I'm, I'm not focused on that anymore. I want to see Robert Wickens be able to give back to the sport in some capacity. I want to see him be able to live a normal life with his family, uh, with his with his wife, Carly, and just, you know, be able to enjoy something of a normal quality of life. It does suck. This sucks. This really, really sucks that we may never see, may more than likely never see Robert Wickens drive at this level of racing ever again. Um, because I was, I was excited to see what he could do if he were to ever come back, it it doesn't seem fair, mm. but I think it would even be less fair if we had lost yeah. him completely. So we have to put we that do. in perspective. I mean, because let's not forget, he was such an electric. It was such an electric rookie season. We fell in love with Robert. Like, like from his very first race, he he stole the show, and he was one of the most exciting things about IndyCar this season. To, you know, to have a guy. I wouldn't say out of nowhere because we all know Wickens was an excellent open wheel driver in the first place to go into IndyCar and just win almost immediately like we fell in love with him in that sense and that's like we we got behind him we, we all know what happened in St. Pete and how unlucky he was not to win that race and we were we were all in right from the start and it just makes it all the more frustrating that he's yeah. probably not going to race again in this series which is just a real shame and there's already a lot of I mean there's already a lot of talk about the future and the future of the number six car in general yes. and uh on, yes um there is an update from uh often blade it which is a uh which is a swedish new uh, magazine article we mentioned marcus erickson finishing in ninth um we're we're hearing and again this is only rumored that he is expected to be confirmed as the uh, the new driver of the number six car from 2019 mm. onward uh you can't get much uh it's not a bad shout, especially with Erickson coming off of his best F1 sure. season. Um, and he'll and it'll bring a lot of much-needed funding to the team. And mm. he may find something here in the United States that maybe he was missing on the regular in the uh, in Europe in Formula 1. I know if you put... That's a competitive team. Uh, absolutely. And I think, uh, again, none of that's mm. confirmed um, as of yet. Uh, but it would be uh, it would be pretty neat to see. Can I just say as well, this is nothing against Marcus, but I'm kind of bummed that we we may not see Carlos Munoz in that car again. That's a real shame. But um, you know, I, I, I wish Marcus the best if that's his future, um, and I hope he, he rides that number six well because uh, yeah, red is a cool color. Um, right. <laughs> The moving, the rolling chronicles of a certain energy drink that we have joked about on this show prior 
I'll give you a hint. One of the three co-hosts um, of, of, of this show has a current Discord username of, and I quote, in capital letters, rich energy only in my ats. <laughs> yes, that's right. Rich energy only in my mentions. I'll give you a hint. It's not me, and it's not King. <laughs> we are ready to we are ready to embrace William's story and his magnificent mullet, which is chained to his chin. It is a hell of a mullet. I will I, I will I will say that. But uh, the the funny thing is, we're joking about this, right? And I remember distinctly, he was hanging out with Claire Williams at Cota, right? And we thought, okay, are they buddying up with Williams here? Less than a week later, they announced themselves as the new title sponsor of the Haas F1 team. Swerve! It's a fucking swerve. Vince would be proud of that one. Holy shit. Um, (laughs) It was me, Austin. (laughs) Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my. Rich Energy, title sponsor of Haas F1. Just like the former predicted. (laughs) The biggest deal that Haas F1 team has had in their three-year existence. I can't remember the last time I got swerved that hard. (laughs) Jumped Um, that somewhere. (laughs) So, King, as a lifelong rich energy Haas F1 team supporter, I need to know your thoughts, your feelings uh, on this uh, awesome development for you and your team. Um, free money, I guess. Why not, right? That That's literally, like, I don't see any other upside to this, because I'm pretty sure it's impossible to buy a can of Rich Energy other than directly from Rich Energy on the internet within the borders of the United <laughs> States of America. Um, yeah, most of their product is in, available in hotels, and that's about it. Hotels. British hotels, to be Funny specific. Pre- the premium sugar water brand, isn't it? <laughs> And all of a sudden, like the like as 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 our friend and yours Hazel Southall mentioned on Twitter at the time, the company that had less than two million in their name in company's house this time last year could afford to be an F one team's title sponsor. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. A lot changes in a year. A lot. Shit does change a lot. Did they year. appear on Shark Tank? Did that did, did that solve the problem? Like. The, did did Laurie Grenier like their pitch? Was that it? Like, did Mr. Wonderful get involved? Did they, 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 did they get like an uptick in sales I didn't hear about? Because, uh, boy, that's uh, eyebrow raising, shall we say. Yeah. Everybody's pretty excited about uh, black and uh, foil gold liveries coming back to F1. I'm just worried that Haas are going to get suckered out of a lot of money that isn't going to get paid to them. Oh, okay. Like, I will happily take back everything I've just said if we have a golden, a black and gold leaf colored hasnet on the grid next year. I, 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 I am a fickle, fickle man, and I will settle for this. It's like. <laughs> That's right. You, yeah, you, you know the John Player special? Get ready for the William Story special. To hit the F1 game in 2019. <laughs> on, on a side note, I was able to find a Brazilian supplier that has a new Corinthian Ayrton Senna jersey. I am excited. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. You will love it. Um, but, uh, nice. Yeah, um, Gold Leaf. Yes, I'm here for all of this. The Rich Energy Hass F1 team. Oh boy. Um, but as, as Charles points out in the Discord, do we need any more proof energy drinks? Are the new tobacco of motorsport? 
Maybe. Um, it's certainly getting to the point where you see any drinks you never actually see on a shelf start sponsoring racing teams. It's funny that, isn't it? Uh, you you leave you t you you leave hype energy out of this. They don't need to catch all those strays. I have actually seen hype energy drink on shelves before. Yes, to be fair, and to be like like uh, yeah, is, is it was it right next to the to the Leopard energy drink that runs their Moto Three team? Was that like that one? You know. Yeah, I mean, they are at least owned by a former F1 driver themselves. Hi, Bertrand Gash. Hey! But, uh, you know, that's always fun. So, moving on from the, the rich energy ass F1 team. That is so weird to say. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of money and uh, money that's probably not going to get paid. Oh. We forgot to talk about this last I know, week. right? We missed this one. <laughs> Yeah, we had a we had enough of a pack show that we forgot to talk about this. Um, you remember how our your friend and mine, Santino Ferrucci, got himself in a little bit of trouble in the in the state and uh, Silverstone, and it led to his contract being terminated. And Trident weren't particularly happy about payments that were owed to the team that never came. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> Um, Trident has said that they are ready to proceed with legal action against Formula 2 driver Santino Ferrucci, dropped from the team after being banned for two rounds, claiming it is owed 502,000 euros <laughs> by Santino <laughs> Ferrucci. <laughs> Trident, Trident Motorsport informs to have obtained the, by the Court of Milan an order of a payment for about 502,000 euro plus interest in legal fees against Mr. Santino Ferrucci and its guarantor, an American company represented by Mr. Michael Ferrucci in relation to the driver's failure to pay the amounts due under the contract. Oh boy. That, that <laughs> yeah. sounds ugly. Um, yeah. And uh, King, as you pointed out, this is not like just like, you know, Ferrucci is being taken to trial to see if he's going to pay this, right? No, he has to pay it. It's a court Yikes. order. Yikes. Yeah. See that? Yeah. See, that's the thing about uh, racking up credit card debt in one country and then deciding to change your name, uh, start over life in a new country, oh. get a new spouse. You know, you're still $70,000 in credit card debt from where you left. Yikes. Oh, I did not know it was actually a court order that they he actually now legally has to pay it. Like, um, so for all that talk about Santino going to Dale Coin next year, um, him and what money? I wonder. Um, yeah, because because that's always been the defense. Well, like, hey, he's marginally quick and he brings money. The money that he hasn't paid his old team. Yeah, that. That's why the joke about PaySafe was the sponsor last year. <laughs> there was a joke in that because they wanted to make sure the payments were safe. Oh dear. <laughs> that that looks messy for our, for our, for the Ferrucci family. As you can tell, I am clearly devastated by this news. <laughs> um, pay your pay your goddamn bills. Um, right. Speaking of IndyCar, um. A sad partnership is coming to an end here, folks. Um, yeah. Fuzzies! Fuzzies is leaving Ed Carpenter Racing. I am sad. I am a sad person now. It means less green liveries oh. in IndyCar come 2019. Um, 
we, we kind of got tipped off with this and we didn't even notice in time when Ed Jones announced that partnership with Scuderia Corso. No mention of fuzzies, any part during that point. announcement. As it turns out, they are on the way out. Um, a partnership that has been going on since Ed Carpenter Racing was a team back in 2012. When the uh, when the vet, the journeyman driver decided, I'm going to be an owner driver from here on out, and it's turned out pretty well for him. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I'm gutted. I'm gutted because Fuzzies is such is a is a is a prominent sponsor in IndyCar, and it's oh, it's it's we lost to any just lost Target like a year like a couple of years ago, and it's another big prominent sponsor that that uh, is coming out of the series because it looks like Fuzzies is just moving on from motorsport back in in general for whatever reason and uh, that's a bummer because I, I love the green I, it's the most underrated racing colour which is amazing given it came, like, like Britain kind of made it famous but like no one races in green anymore so I'm here for all the green so uh, I'm kind of gutted that Fuzzies is going and you know I hope it's not too big a financial blow to, to Ed Carpenter because he's got a hell of a roster underneath him <laughs> <laughs> with uh with jones and piggott and you know obviously ed himself <laughs> yikes and I, 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 I said yikes for two reasons one because of that statement and two because in our discord brian just put in a picture of total wolf and wearing underwear um <laughs> lacking pants he kind of threw me off for a second now i was like oh wait a minute <laughs> oh somebody help me <laughs> yeah i think i just found that i'm talking about it's like oh lord Oh. Um, like, like Toto, some decency, please. God, I love you too, Brian. You get. Um, <laughs> should we talk about some more rally real quick, RJ? Um, yeah. So, um, so if I told you that Sebastian Loeb won a World Rally uh, Championship event, what year would you think uh, we were in? Right. Two thousand nine. Uh, King, what's your wager? Probably 2012, maybe. <laughs> For the first time since the Monte Carlo Rally 2013, 44-year-old Sebastian Loeb, 44-year-old Seba Sebastian Loeb, wins the uh, the Rally de Catalunya, the Rally de España. Um, this is his in his career. It's his 79th world rally championship win he almost has doubled the total from second first second place at this point he might have even tripled it by this point if you kind of forgot during that run of uh, nine consecutive world rally championships and then him also going on to overall podiums at Le Mans and winning in GT cars and winning in rallycross and having an X Games gold medal and winning in world touring cars yeah, Sebastian Loeb is that dude. What that dude? dude? That dude. <laughs> he just wins everything, that man. It's ridiculous. He is ridiculous. For God's sake, Sebastian Loeb is insane. Um, I know he's he's branched out over the years and whatnot, and I know he's he's not you know been quite the same dominant guy. He's been in and out of, of World Rally and now for the last few years and whatnot, but. Uh, yeah, he's been on sabbatical for a while. He's done other stuff. And now the the hot rumor on the street is he might come back full-time Fuck soon. it. Why not, right? <laughs> like, seriously. Go for 10. Hey, if Go it's if it's not stopping point. Valentino Rossi, why is it not stopping Sebastian Loeb? Huh? Why not, you know? 
Yeah, and also low-key, we have uh, one final round and three points in the Drivers' Championship between Sebastian Oje of uh, Ford and Thierry Neuville of uh, mm-hmm. Hyundai. So uh, if you've got Red Bull TV, you may want to check the highlights of that. Just saying. <sighs> just saying. Just just throwing that out there. It's, it's, a, it's a fun time for all involved. RJ, Super Formula Finale. Ah, uh, yes. Um, this time out, Super Typhoon Land did not win... Uh, the Jaff Grand Prix, the 17th running of this event over various different championships. At Suzuka Circuit, it's the final round of the Super Formula Championship. 13 points on offer for the winner. Naoki Yamamoto picks up a bonus point for pole position. That's his eighth pole in Super Formula uh, for his career. That comprises eight of his 10 career poles in the championship. Uh, he leads early enough in the race, um, gets off of these soft compound tires to finish the race on the mediums. Nick Cassidy runs the alternate strategy. He's running his first stint on the mediums and going long on that first set to try and finish the race on sprints. And uh, if you if you have not watched at least the highlights that are on Super Formula's uh, YouTube channel or if you have a motorsport.tv subscription and watch the race in full with commentary from Tom Gaynor, um, that was a dandy of a race where Cassidy just belted it. Remember, he need if you win the race, you effectively win the championship at this point. Cassidy was taking a second a lap, a half a second a lap out every single time, and it looked like he might get him by the end. Ultimately, Yamamoto held him off by six tenths of a second to win his second Super Formula title and take his sixth career victory at Suzuka Circuit himself. Again, he's low-key been one of the better drivers that isn't talked about because Mm. the thing is, he's partnered with Jensen Button in Super GT. You know, world champion Formula 1 driver Jensen Button. But Yamamoto's been the quick man in that car all season, and now he has the chance to become the first double champion of both GT500 and Super Formula since Richard Lyons in 2004. Only three people have done that. Pedro De La Rosa among them. Mm. Yeah, that was a big win. Of course, Cassidy, um, no shame at all, finishing second uh, with teammate Kenzie Mashita picking up his first podium finish of the season in third, giving Condo Racing, a team that was founded in 2000 and whose best finish in the team's championship was fourth in 2005, their very first ever team's championship. And that is something for a team that just very recently struggled to pick up points on a regular basis. Now they have two young drivers who can win races, pick up pole positions, and finish on podiums. That is astonishing. (laughs) It is indeed very, very, very impressive indeed. Congratulations to that dude indeed. Awesome stuff. I think we're just about done here, folks. Um, Gosh, that that actually went a lot quicker than I thought it was going to in the end. (laughs) Uh, That's that's crazy. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, basically, what do we got next weekend? Uh, uh, uh mm. let's see here. I'm just scanning over this. Here. The, the, the roast of Ryan King. <laughs> what trucks? A NASCAR truck race. That's that's it. Mm. We, huh. we we may have to do something special next week. Any ideas? Or some news has got to break in between this recording and Nets recording. Um, Sebastian retires. Um, fuck it. Like, like seriously. <laughs> oh dear. You know, 
a guy can a guy can dream, you know. Well, maybe not dream, but that'd be a nightmare. But still, hey, whatever. <laughs> I got nothing for you there, folks. Uh, we'll figure something out. We might have to crack open the mailbag for a special next week. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, let's let's find out what's going on where that's concerned this time next week. We can't guarantee we'll have anything for you, but we always find a way to shit house a show. So. You know, we'll figure this out. In the meantime, basically, you can find us quickly one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. In our personal handles at Harrison101HD, um, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live as well. Bike Live will be back later this weekend. Episode 85, reviewing all the action from the best motorcycle track on the planet, Phillip Island, ladies and gentlemen. And boy, did it not disappoint. Um, three fantastic races, including a seven wide in Moto3. I am not making this up. Um, in a, a, yeah, it came to a Moto3 race and a NASCAR plate race broke out. Yes. Fun times for <laughs> oh fun times for all involved as Jorge Martin gets swallowed up on a final lap. And it, it, it was a tremendous weekend. And also, for the first time in 25 races, a Yamaha won! Maverick Vinales! Yeah, it's not the one Yamaha you thought was going to be. And win. it's not the one you were all hoping it was going to be. Hi, Maverick! Welcome back to the winner's circle for the first time in 27 Grand Prix. Um, Maverick Vinales winning in Phillip Island in, in dramatic fashion. Jack Miller giving Alex Rins a lift. And one of the most terrifying accidents you will ever see as Johan Zarco rising to Mark Marquez's rear tyre at a 190 miles an hour and somehow walked away from it okay don't ask me how i have nothing for you here like seriously i do not understand that one at all that one a brilliant moto gp race a fantastic final corner um, sprint finish between lord binder ryan king's friend and yours lord binder the great lord binder and alex marcus i don't know it's his teammate joanne me i should say um in a in a last corner drag race to the line and that moto free race need i say more and a surprise winner too there are multiple big ones in that multiple one. big ones including one for a prominent title contender as base you know what this is at this point the the moto free title fight between jorge martin and marco bezecchi is quickly becoming a game of who can hold their serve in a tennis match first it's just breaks everywhere <laughs> break break back <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous and in this case the break was um marco bezecchi's front end uh, as their title fight takes yet another dramatic twist um all of that and much more on bike live as well and we also review the final round of the world superbike championship sort of because one race was cancelled it's a weird weekend that was a puddle on the main straight and um Jules Cazelle didn't win the super sport title and I am very sad about this because we love Jules Cazelle on bike live we really do <laughs> and it just didn't happen for him we, we salute Sandro Cortese the new world super sport champion and Jonathan Ray winning only one race in Qatar but still tying the all-time single season wins record 17 ladies and gentlemen 17 wins in a season 
as you do. All of that on episode 85 of Bike Live this weekend. Again, if you want to back us at the 10th level as well, you can, you can tune into our Discord and listen to the episode live as it goes out. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Arjun O'Connell and Ryan King. I'll see you guys next week. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Like I'm not really you are the world champion!